Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is DCI number 45 and I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, I got to talk to Phil Ings, who is the founder and CEO and lead developer of Noble Intentions. Uh, he's currently working on his first solo project, which is Supreme League of Patriots. It's a kind of a satire of superheroes, uh, a point-and-click adventure game, and uh, there is a prequel video that's on the show notes page for this episode, and I strongly encourage you to watch it. It's I found it highly entertaining, uh, just like I hope you find this episode entertaining. Uh, I had a great conversation with Phil, and I hope you enjoy it. If you want to find out more information about DarkStation, you can do that at DarkStation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at DarkStation underscore com. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, we are on iTunes, we're the Dark cast and while you're there give us a review let us know what you think of the show finally if you want to send us an email you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com now for more information about supreme league of patriots check out the links in the show notes to this episode as always thank you for listening now on with the show I'm ready to go. Good deal. Uh, do you have any sort of time limits? Uh, I believe it's pretty late there for you, so yeah, it's it's wanna... about it's it's about one thirty, but okay. uh, I, I I generally work through till um, four four thirty in the morning, so oh, wow. uh, no no time problem for me. Okay, good deal. Uh, just so you know, the uh, podcasts usually go between half an hour and an hour, uh, right. and then this will go up, like I said, as a, a standalone uh, episode. Okay. All right. Good deal. And your name is Phil Ings. That's correct, yeah. Okay. Uh, when, when I saw that as your, your Skype name, I thought you were just being clever, like fillings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ev- everyone thinks that it must be something deep and meaningful or clever, but no, it's just just my name. All right, awesome. Fantastic. Um, all right, well, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Darkcast today, Phil. How are you doing? My pleasure. I'm doing very well, thank you. Enjoying uh, beavering away on uh, on the next episode of the game. Good to know. Good to know. So, is episode one mostly done, or...? Uh, episode one is, uh, is is sort of mostly finished up. We've got it out uh, in beta testing with a few people, hmm. um, and we're just waiting to put in the um, tutorial, uh, the music, and the sound effects. But okay. uh, other, other than that, it's mostly done. Awesome. Um, so, but before we get into talking about the, the game that we're talking about, uh, Supreme League of Patriots... Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you do at um, Noble Intentions. Well, I started out uh, a few years ago uh, as a freelance contract programmer, and uh, that's that's always been my uh, my main uh, job is 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 programming. Hmm. Um, and I, I'd always wanted to uh, to try my hand at, uh, at writing and design. Uh, so n- now I've moved into doing all three on the same game, which probably wasn't the wisest decision. Um, probably would have been good to try my hand at the writing and the design and let someone else do the programming, but um, I- I'm a little bit of a control freak, um, so I-, I wasn't quite ready to uh, hand off the programming duties to anyone else. Sure. Okay, so uh, did you found uh, Noble? 
Yes, yes. It. Uh, I, I'd been. Uh, I, I'd been working on, on on an idea for the game for a while, um, and it reached the point where I felt that I really had to make a choice as to um, whether I was going to concentrate on this game and really make it. In which case, I needed to do it properly. I needed to start a company. I, I needed to do everything above board. Um, and that has certain benefits when you're working with people. People take you a little bit more seriously if, if you have a limited company. Um, or whether I was going to keep on doing what I was doing, which was sort of hedging my bets, um, doing the contract work. Um, I've been working on some um, mobile phone games. Of um, There are mobile phone versions of casino games. Um, and the money was good, and it was quite easy to carry on doing that. So... I, I felt as though I actually needed to force myself to to take that jump and and work full time on it. So uh, I, I started up this this company, Noble Intentions, um, which kind of uh, speaks for itself, really. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the the name sort of uh, explains itself. Um, right, there there is a pun there, not not with your name, but with the name of the company. There there is a pun. <laughs> There is a pun there, yes. Um, you you will get no ball from me, and I don't like getting any back. It's <laughs> nice. it's that simple. I I, I like to, uh, to to deal with people straight, and I like people to deal with me straight. And I thought it made a good pun for the uh, name of the company. And also, um, there's a sort of horribly geeky uh, science fiction reference in in the name of it as well. I. I'm just gonna leave that to to people that catch it. So, we'll... <laughs> it's 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 Fringe related. Okay, gotcha. I've not watched Fringe, so okay. I was I was feeling terribly out of the loop, but now now at least I know what loop I'm out of. Yeah, um... I, I I didn't want to I didn't want to detail it because I thought I'm gonna bore everyone who doesn't know what Fringe is, uh, and I, they don't need any help uh, help to. Uh... Sure, the, those people are getting excited right now. So exactly, yeah. We'll, we'll just let them get excited. Exactly. Uh, so, are are you Noble? Are are you the the studio, or do you have any uh, one else currently working with you, doing contract work? Kind of how's the the company side of things working? Uh, the the company side of things is I am the company as as far as employees goes. Uh, I've had a lot of different contractors from various parts of the world um working with me over the past sort of two two and a half years but um, most of the content creation has already been done all of the voice acting's been done the character modeling the environment modeling um, a lot of the animation has already been done so uh, most of the contractors now have gone off to uh, work on other exciting projects uh, leaving me to do all the really really tedious um, just manual labor, really, of uh, joining it all up together and turning it all into a game. But um, we've still got um, Jake Kaufman, who I think pe people might know as Vert, um, is, is working on the uh, soundtrack for the game and uh, some sound effects as well. So Jake is still actively working on the game. But apart from that, it's just me. Okay. Good deal. Um, so... What is Supreme League of Patriots? It's, uh, I, I guess, it, it's my modern take on the classic point-and-click adventure. Um, I, I'd always been really into point-and-click adventures. I think it was probably the first genre that I really got into when I was sort of 17, 18, was around about the time that um, 
Secret of Monkey Island came out, mm-hmm. uh, and then there were there were there were quite a few companies back then making big adventure games. I mean, Microprose were doing quite quite well known adventure games, and obviously Sierra Online and uh, LucasArts had um, big ones like uh, Day of the Tentacle and uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. And I, I was just a huge fan of those. And um, Jane Jensen's uh, Gabriel Knight was was another one that that I was a huge fan of. And then we had this sort of, before we had the big revival of um, like Tex Murphy and uh, Jane Jensen's Mobius and, and all of those, the Kickstarter revolution, um, we had Telltale come back and they brought Sam and Max back, they brought Monkey Island back. And I was a big fan of those games, but I had an idea of, I, I wanted to do it with... Um, should we say the the type of humor that uh, you can only really get away with if if you're independent mm-hmm. uh, something that would be too risky for a studio to put big money into um, uh, and I wanted to uh, have slightly more um, satirical political humor um, that would probably frighten off a lot of uh, even the small to medium sized companies um, and and so that that uh, desire then became a question. I was um, I was reading an interview with the comic book writer Alan Moore, who wrote uh, Watchmen, mm-hmm. and uh, it was about the uh, genesis of the character Rorschach, and he was saying that his question that became Rorschach was, if you had a character like Batman who witnessed the murder of his parents and became this vigilante superhero, how would he actually be in real life? Because, of course, if you actually had someone like that, he wouldn't be this noble, dark avenger uh, that, that Batman is. He would, you know, Alan Moore posited that he would actually be a sociopath. Sure. And I sort of thought, you could take a premise like that and make, some, make a sort of a comical character out of it. And I've always been fascinated with the notion of patriotism. Um, it's... It's a big uh, concept in your country. It's a very big concept in in my country, particularly uh, at the moment. We've got some uh, elections which are coming up, which are um, revolving around the subject of uh, Britishness and patriotism. And I wondered what a character who was driven entirely by patriotism would really be like. I didn't think I didn't think he would be like Captain America. I didn't think he would be this sort of nice, pleasant superhero. I had an idea that if you had a superhero who was driven purely by patriotism, he would be sort of, I guess, Rambo meets Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) Oh, that's a horrible combination. I'm scared now. It it is, yeah. (laughs) That's someone you'd only ever want to hear on the radio, isn't it? You'd never want to run into him. No. So, so that's where the the purple patriot was born. Yes, that was the uh, th- that was the starting point of uh, of the character, and uh, and it sort of grew out from there with other characters. Um, Mel came second, I guess, as a sort of a foil um, for the purple patriot. He was like the eyes of um, the general public, the one who says. Um, actually, that's really homophobic. You mustn't say that. And 
actually that's not a really good way to treat women and you know Mel is uh, is the eye of the audience I guess mm. and then uh, and then further characters out from that some uh, rather organically and some just popped out of nowhere okay so um, as as far as the kind of content of the game uh, it's you know, you're talking about patriotism, and it's set in America. Is it easier to write satire when you're able to kind of, um, I don't know, kind of criticize things externally? I'm just wondering uh, from a, from the writing perspective of it, because uh, I, I found a lot of the stuff pretty hilarious. I watched the uh, the prequel not long before we uh, started this interview up, and uh, there's just a lot of stuff in there that not only would I don't think you know a lot of bigger, even medium-sized companies feel comfortable getting away with, but I think there are a lot of American companies that just wouldn't feel like they could get away with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that's that's definitely the case, um, and, and I suppose there was a a, a, a certain amount of uh, freedom um, given to me by the fact that uh, if if you do uh, satire about your own country, then there are people around to murder you. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain amount of freedom in that, but um, I, I'm I'm pretty critical of um, uh, of all sorts of uh, political movements in uh, in in my country as well. So sure. that that wasn't that wasn't really the focus. It was okay. uh, it, it it was just it, I guess uh, it, it's fair to say that uh, that the right wing in America makes an easier target than almost anything. I mean. Sure. You know, I mean, you, you watch shows like The Daily Show or The, the Colbert Report or um, Real Time with Bill Maher. I mean, they, they're fantastic, but they, they do have some really easy targets sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I, I just felt like there was a really easy target there. And it just, it fit more with, with the notion of superheroes, really, I guess, that uh, a, a British superhero, with all due respect to the, the few that there have been, they just don't. You know, it just doesn't feel like the grand scale of an American superhero. Okay. A, a British version of Batman would uh, just wouldn't have the same impact. <laughs> sure, and and when you have somebody that's you know it's a hero trying to be inspired by all things America, you've got the obvious you know correlation of of Captain America. So there's the obviously kind of tie satirizing of not only I, I guess American. Um, politics, but also you can directly tie it to a, a pre-existing superhero. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Captain America is uh, very much of the moment, so mm -hmm. uh, that, that's uh, that, that's a draw for people. And uh, and and there are some. Uh, I, I've tried not to make it too focused on comic books. I've I've tried not to. Um, to make it so that people who don't read comic books won't enjoy the game or won't understand the game, mm -hmm. but there, there are some uh, there are some references and some jokes based around uh, particular uh, particular comic books or particular um, stories within comic books, and uh, there's a there's a joke in uh, I think it's in the first episode about a particular artist who had a particular tendency. So I've I've tried to to uh, to, to build on comic books, but not to alienate people who uh, who really aren't into the comic books. Sure. Okay. 
Yeah, and as far as uh, this is, my, my brain's just kind of jumping around right now, but uh, back to like the right wing being kind of a target. Uh, watching the, the prequel, the, the very end of it, the way that it ends is the Purple Patriot is, uh, you know, for those that haven't watched it yet, the there will be a, uh, it'll be embedded in the show notes of this episode, but um, the Purple Patriot is going off to uh, slaughter people in the name of Jesus, and just today, as of this recording, there was this, or I think it was actually yesterday, there was a whole thing about Sarah Palin and waterboarding being like the way that we baptize terrorists or something terrible like that. And I, I hear the Purple Patriot say that, and I'm just like, oh, that's something someone would actually say. That's awful. <laughs> that that kind of is the risk. Yeah. Um, with a character like the like the Purple <laughs> Patriot is because you're targeting people who are so extreme and in the case of Sarah Palin so stupid, they they can almost say things that are worse than your character can say. <laughs> you you do reach a point where you think, how can I actually exaggerate Sarah Palin? She is an exaggeration of herself. Absolutely. She uh, makes yeah, my for... job very difficult. <laughs> yeah, for the longest time she was just. Or she was just stupid, and then she became crazy. It's it's scary. Uh, but anyway, moving on from that, um, the the gameplay of Supreme League of Patriots. Um, how does that kind of play out? The the interpretation and kind of the reinterpretation of adventure games has changed a lot over the last couple of years. You've got you know Telltale who kind of removes really all of the puzzle elements and just kind of leaves the clicking on stuff in the, the character interaction, uh, and then you've got more hardcore, uh, you know, more literal uh, modernizations of adventure games. Where does uh, Patriots lie? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much of the um, Tim Schafer, Ron Gilbert school of thought on this. I absolutely think that adventure games have to have puzzles, and I'm absolutely dead set that they have to be tied into the plot. Okay. The one thing I cannot stand is adventure games and uh, um, Professor Layton does this and Professor Layton is so good that it can get away with it but if you're not Professor Layton that idea of having 10 minutes of story then a completely random puzzle then another 5 minutes of story it, it just takes me out of the moment all the time. I'm, I'm constantly in and out of character in and out of story. Mm -hmm. So all of the all of the puzzles are part of the parts of the plot, part of the story, um, which makes some of the puzzles kind of out there because it's an out there story. Sure. But um, I, I've tried to balance accessibility with challenge because I'm old school. I, I like a challenging set of puzzles in my adventure game. So hopefully that there's a a reasonable challenge there for people who who want that. But at the same time. I've tried to implement uh, a help system, which is uh, works on two levels, um, with a, a what I call a, a helpful, who isn't really very helpful, but a helpful best friend, um, which is your sidekick Mel, who pretty much follows you around for uh, the entire episode. Although he do, he does briefly take control, uh, and it works the other way around. Okay. But um, he's there. He has two help modes, both of which you can disable if you'd like a, a proper challenge like me. But uh, the first help mode is if you just don't do anything for, say, 60 seconds, Mel will just give you a, a prod in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So if you lose track and you're thinking, I'm really not sure wh which way I should be going, there's 
two or three puzzles. I don't know which one to solve first. Mel just gives you a nudge in the right direction. And then the other help mode is if you run into a particular puzzle or group of puzzles, which is particularly difficult, then you can speak to Mal, ask him about the, the puzzle, and then he'll either give you a single uh, piece of advice, or sometimes he'll give you like a multi-tier piece of advice. So he'll give you a, a, a broad clue the first time you ask him. If you go back for more specific help, then he'll be a little bit more specific every time. But um, as I say, both of those can be switched off. So they're there if you start to struggle, or if you're the type of player who just wants to experience the jokes and the story, and you're limited by time, but at the same time, the challenge is there if you want it. Okay, very cool. So, uh, how difficult do the puzzles get? I remember playing. Um, uh, oh, my my brain's not working. Oh, Longest Journey, uh, years and years ago, and there's a puzzle where you have to get a. Uh, it's uh, I don't even remember what it is, but you go into the subway and there's something on train tracks and you have to pick that up. And to get that, you have to throw some bird seed out of a window to, to get birds out of the way so that you can deflate a inner tube that looks like a duck so that you can get it. And it's like this hour-long puzzle that makes no sense. Yeah. How difficult are your puzzles? <laughs> Well, I, I hope they're challenging, but uh, I, I, do... I guess how completely nonsensical are your puzzles might be a better question. <laughs> yeah, that, that's been my focus is to I, I, tr I try really hard to make sure that the puzzles are logical. Okay. Because to me, if, if the puzzle is, is, is illogical, um, it doesn't really matter whether it's hard or easy. It's not fun. So, yeah, I, I, tr I try to make them all uh, within the context of the story and nothing too obscure. Um, and as I say, you've got Mel there to push you back in the right direction sure. uh, if, if you do struggle a bit. But um, yeah, the feedback we've had so far from the beta testers and from the uh, press build that's been going around is that uh, most people, they, they might find the odd little thing like, oh, I didn't realize I had to do that. But generally speaking, um, the balance seems to be right. We seem to be getting a few people complain it's a little bit too difficult, a few people complain it's a little bit too easy, and most find it's just in the middle. So hopefully um, we'll, we'll keep refining it and make sure that uh, anything too illogical gets gets removed before it uh, gets released. Okay, good deal. Um, so being that it's a, an adventure game, uh, we've already kind of talked about... Uh, where you're pulling from uh, as far as satire um, goes, but are, are there any particular games that you're kind of pulling from as far as inspiration? You, you obviously mentioned uh, Ron Gilbert and Tim Schafer, but uh, is there anything else that, uh, as far as like adventure games, that just sticks out in your mind as kind of the, the pinnacle that you are drawing from? Yeah, uh, definitely Day of the Tentacle um, was, was one of my favorite adventure games and uh, I, I haven't I haven't consciously drawn from uh, from anything but I'm sure that uh, subconsciously that I would have been picking up things from that because it had that the time travel mechanic I don't know if you played Day of the Tentacle but it, it had a time travel mechanic where you had one character in the future one character in the present and one character in the past and that made for an interesting puzzle mechanic of moving on moving items in the past to affect things in the future. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and the art style as well. Uh, Day of the Tentacle had, had these fantastic angles. Everything was angular and nothing was straight. The things that were supposed to be straight were diagonal, and I, I loved the art style for that. So that's probably inspired me a little bit when I've been uh, describing scenes to people. Um, uh, and then um, I was a big fan of the Sierra games, uh, the Space Quest games were uh, were a particular favourite. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I'm not conscious of, uh, sure. of drawing too much sure. from that, but um, but but the, the the parody that was that was that was in Space Quest Five made me uh, made me sort of aware that you could do that. It it, it was. It, at the time, the majority of adventure games were fairly serious. Um, you know, criminal investigation adventure games and science fiction adventure games, and uh, they just sort of gave me a sense of with, with Space Quest and whatever that actually you could just be really, really silly, and it it could be a job. Mm -hmm. But a lot of my inspiration comes from. Um, stand-up comedians and uh, writers that I'm a big fan of, so not necessarily from from within the game development world. I, I think it's important to have uh, inspiration and uh, heroes from other art forms. Absolutely. Yeah, I honestly, I, I feel like uh, part of the problem with a, a lot of video games is a lot of writers for video games, especially in the last probably 15 or 20 years, most of what they're drawing from are other video games, and a lot of video games don't have good writing. So pulling from other sources definitely a, a good thing. Yeah, I mean, writing's been looked down upon for, for the longest time within game development. Writing has, has sort of been looked at something as though you're the designer, you write it as well. Mm -hmm. You're the producer, you do some writing. Uh, you're the lead programmer. Oh, you can do some writing. It's it's something that's it's not really given the uh, people don't give it the respect that, that that it deserves. And it's it's only been in the in the last few years that we've seen with um, like Naughty Dog have actually brought in people who can actually write. And um, Brianna Pratchett being brought in to write uh, the Tomb Raider mm -hmm. uh, reboot that they did. And yeah, over the last two or three years, we, we've started to see that people have got a respect for writers, and they're they're actually bringing in people who write outside. And of course, Jane Jensen was the first because uh, she was uh, a novelist before she uh, started on uh, Gabriel Knight and that. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's been quite rare that they uh, that, that they treat writing as a a respected discipline. So, how how has the writing been on your side? Since uh, kind of your background is more in the the programming, um, I imagine it's it's kind of a whole different world for you. What's the the process been for for writing, uh, you know, dialogue and uh, scripts and stuff like that for Patriots? Yeah, I, I've always written. I just haven't done it professionally. Okay. I never never really had any sense that uh, that people would want to read what I wrote. I just really enjoyed writing it anyway. Um, and it's it's been an absolute joy. Um, it's it's made me want to stop programming because programming <laughs> seems really really tedious compared to writing. Um, for for one thing, when you write something bad, it's just bad, and you take it away and you write something better instead. You don't have to go chasing bugs for three and a half days. Um, yeah, write, writing was uh, was absolutely delightful, and it, you, you have 
issues, obviously. I mean, writer's block is really, really not fun when you just sit there staring at a screen all day and nothing comes. But um, generally speaking, I, I really enjoyed that. And uh, hopefully, if the game goes quite well, then moving forward, I'd like to do more writing and less programming. But we'll have to see whether, what people think about my writing. They might think my programming is... Uh, something I should continue with and uh, you know don't give up the day job so we'll, we'll see how it goes but uh, I, I did really enjoy it yeah well I obviously I, I haven't played the game it's not out yet but from the prequel that is currently on your website I very much enjoyed it so if that is a, a good representation of it then I, I think it's going to do well thank you I hope so um, so, uh, one of the things that I thought was actually kind of interesting, uh, looking at the, the website and kind of the press release for the, the game is that, um, you didn't do anything with Kickstarter. It's actually all funded. I, I, the, from the way it's phrased, it sounds like you, uh, have funded basically everything. Uh, how, yes. what, what has that been like? I mean, it, it's kind of, it feels like the industry has shifted a lot in the past what two years for not having a kickstarter to be something that that you're that you're proud of uh <laughs> yeah it, it, it seems it, like i mean the, the market has definitely gotten very uh kind of saturated with that uh what's it been like you know funding it yourself uh what was the decision to to not kickstarter well, the decision to uh, to kickstarter or not to kickstarter was was really very simple because I'm nobody. I, uh, you know, I've worked in the game industry for a few years, but I've worked as a programmer. I've, I've only done uh, contract work. I've never worked for big companies. I can't, uh, you know, if I go on Kickstarter, I can't say I used to work for EA or I used to work for uh, Disney or something like that, which is the kind of thing that gets you press and the mm -hmm. Kickstarter picks up. So um, Kickstarter was really uh, was going to be really difficult, um, and to do the game that I wanted to do, I knew I was going to need a fair amount of money. If I was going to go onto Kickstarter and ask for ten thousand dollars, yeah, I probably could have maybe get a small article on uh, on a reasonably uh, large site, and that might get me through. But if I wanted to do the game uh, with the kind of um, production values that I wanted it to have I, I figured I was going to be looking at a hundred hundred and fifty thousand dollars and a nobody on Kickstarter wasn't going to get that mm -hmm. um, and, and also there's there's a sense that, that I have that you when you run a Kickstarter you're building a huge amount of pressure on yourself and building a game is a lot of pressure to start with then in my case I was building an episodic game so I had kind of three small games that I was building which is even more pressure to do that with the pressure of let's say a fifty thousand dollar Kickstarter all the expectations that come with that people saying where is it you promised it on the first of May and it's now the second of May and where is it I I paid my five dollars and you're just creating a problem for yourself so mm -hmm. While I was uh, writing the script and doing a bit of concept art and that sort of thing, no nothing too much into production, I was putting money aside from the contract programming and trying to reach the point where I thought I had enough money to make the leap. And um, 
yeah, it was about a year ago. It was uh, beginning of April last year that I decided I, I, I needed to go full-time at it. Um, and I, by that time, I'd already spent a fair bit of money on um, production assets. I'd had uh, character models, which were the, the first thing, because I, I really felt that the character um, models and textures had to be really, really good uh, in order for me to want to do this. I needed the motivation. And uh, and then uh, from then we went into um, animations and voice acting and everything else. And yeah, it, it has probably run up to uh, something like $150,000 out of my savings, which is very scary on some days. Um, but it, it felt like an opportunity that I was only ever going to have once. Mm -hmm. And it felt like something that if it fails, I I won't be happy, but I won't regret that I tried. If I didn't try, it felt like something that I would regret in, in years to come. The, the not knowing whether I could have done it, not knowing how my career might have gone, probably would have bothered me. So um, it, it, it came to the point where the, um, the potential regret was greater than the fear of actually taking the leap. Well, I, I feel like that's kind of always the point at which you you leap uh, when, when yeah you, you go to to make change like that it it take it takes a, it takes an impetus to, uh, to 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 make a leap like that and uh, yeah I, I think that's uh, that's the point that, that everybody reaches or if they don't reach it then um, then they walk away and think it's okay I can I can live without knowing whether I uh, whether I could have done that right. Awesome. Well, um, I think that does it for the the main part of the interview because I, I don't know. I feel like that's a, a pretty uh, substantial bit to end on. Uh, like I said earlier, we like to end it with a, uh, a little questionnaire that we call the end game. Uh, and there are no right or wrong answers for this. These are totally your opinions. Uh, and the first question is, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Favorite video game protagonist? I think um, probably a bit predictable, but uh, I really, really liked Gabriel Knight in the first Gabriel Knight game, um, voiced by Tim Curry. That that was that was when I knew that uh, adventure games were going to be for me for a long time. Okay, good question. I think that's. I think we've gotten that answer once, so it's it's not too predictable. Uh, <laughs> well, in in my case, possibly, sure, you know, sure. because we, we've we've already discussed uh, Jane Jensen and Sierra. So, uh, Get, getting completely off topic here, have you played uh, her new game, Mobius? Uh, I, I I bought it and I downloaded it, and I'm I'm doing my workaholic thing. Um, <laughs> 15 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, but uh, I, I'm I'm gonna fire it up real soon because uh, I'm I'm really anxious to play Mobius. It's uh, graphically it looks very good. So uh, and and uh, you know we know that Jane Jensen's a great writer, so uh, I'm sure it'll be great. All right, and back to the uh, the questionnaire. Uh, flipping that quit the not the previous question, but the one before that on its head. Who is your favorite antagonist again in video games? I think I think I liked Sephiroth from Final Fantasy 7 
Um, again, that might be quite a popular answer, but um, I don't know. He just really personified dark, brooding evil. Um, certainly for for the time. I mean, the graphics on the on the PS One were. Uh, a long way back from today, and we didn't really have uh, a lot of voice acting back then, but mm-hmm. perhaps that contributes. Perhaps the fact that you never hear him speak kind of makes him seem that little bit more aloof and that little bit more creepy. Sure. All right. Um, uh, what either trope or theme or, or something that's just way overdone in video games today uh, either bothers you or would you just like to see done away with altogether? Mm. Uh, I think again I'm going to be a little bit predictable and, and stick within my genre of adventure games but um, I really really don't like the hidden object adventure game I, 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 I'm fine with hidden object games sure. but, but it's the hidden object adventure hybrid where we try to convince me that it's an adventure with story, with characters, and then we just keep stopping to randomly look around the uh, the scene that we're in for uh, all sorts of random objects which have no bearing on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of live with it the, the first dozen of those games that you play, but... Sure. Uh, it, it it kind of gets out of hand because there's so so many of them. Indeed. Um, okay, so if you could see a sequel made to any adventure game, whether or not you work on it, just if you could play a, a sequel to to an adventure game uh, that doesn't exist, what game would you want to see get a sequel? Um, I think I'd like a sequel to Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Mm. I I really enjoyed the comedy adventures, but I just think Fate of Atlantis was just perfect because it was Indiana Jones. It had it had all the feel of an Indiana Jones movie, but at the same time, it 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 was quite lighthearted. There was plenty of humor, plenty of banter between the two main characters and sadly LucasArts gave up on adventure games and ultimately gave up on all games but um, yeah I think that would make that would make a, a fantastic sequel providing that we don't get any crystal skull alien nonsense in it I, I, I have no recollection of what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I, shall att- I shall attempt a, a, men, a men in black brain wipe to, uh, to remove it from my own memory. Um, I, I keep coming back. At, after I got out of seeing Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I remember thinking, it's like, you know, in The Last Crusade, you had Han Solo and Sh- James Bond going after the greatest treasure anyone has ever known, fighting the most evil group of enemies the world has ever known. How do you top that? Apparently with aliens. Yeah, no, and, that didn't work at all. And a fridge. <laughs> and a fridge, yes, and yeah. nuclear explosions, and Shia Le- Oh, God, oh, that was such a train wreck. Anyway, moving on, let's not dwell on that. Yeah, let's um, not. 
Alright, if you could try any other profession, no holds barred, um, you know, in anything at all, whether it's professional beer taster or, you know, anything, what, what would you like to do? Well, since I've been working on the game, I struggled to, to find a voice actor for one of the characters, and I've ended up being the de facto voice actor for that character, and it's really fun. I, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I thought I'd give it a try and see whether anyone told me I was dreadful at it or whether they noticed that, uh, that one of the voice actors wasn't like the others, but um, I, I really enjoyed it, so... I think I'd like to, uh, I think if I could have any job, I would like to explore voice acting a bit more and uh, see whether I would uh, enjoy that as much as I have on this game. Hmm. Cool. And uh, our final question is, when you reach the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom and Toad is standing there with a book of the deeds of your life, what do you want him to say to you? You didn't suck as bad as you thought you did. <laughs> that would be nice. Fantastic. That would help my low self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that that is great. You passed. Uh, you it's, have earned our eternal love and respect. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. No problem. Uh, so thank you so much for, for sitting down and talking with me about uh, Supreme League of Patriots. If you could just send us out by letting the listeners know where they can go to find out more information. Yeah, you can uh, find, the, uh, find the trailer and more information on www.supremeleagueofpatriots.com. All right, fantastic. And there will be uh, links to that and the uh, prequel video in the show notes to this episode so people can see all that and hopefully enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you once again, and have a good night. Thank you very much. Bye.